welcome to the Unveiled Podcast. We discuss all things related to women so we can think Christianly in all areas of our lives. I'm Sandy, and I'm here with my friend Susie, and we both have a passion to bring gospel reform to womanhood, to families, and to all of life. I have a background in music and education, and Susie's training is in biblical counseling, theology, and women's ministry. Well, Susie, it's always good to sit together and discuss these passages of scripture and look for ways to apply them in our current context. And today we're going to look at Proverbs 31, verse 16. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. And I was looking at another uh, version, and instead of the word considers, it uses the word appraises. And I really like that word. It has a lot of weight with it. Um, a lot of reasoning. She's reasoning and, you know, weighing out the pros and cons, and and we can dig into that a little bit. Um, so what we see is that the Proverbs 31 woman knows how to make money. In culture, specifically Christian culture, we can see extreme thoughts on a woman and her career. Some teach that women should strive to the top of business, earn as much or more than men, and get her education and job established first before she settles down to have children. And the other extreme teaches that adult women shouldn't work outside the home at all. Even if she's not married, she should find some sort of work that she can do from her home. How can we have a biblical mindset on work? Well, yeah, it is interesting how there can be one extreme or the other. And I think one of the things that we need to learn is balance. Mm -hmm. Because there can be a little bit of truth found in both options. The first one where there's the, um, the striving to, to get to the top, to, to uh, work hard, and to, to do things with excellence. The excellence part is, is a good thing. All our work should be done with excellence. And our work should be enjoyed. And men and women both should be working people. Uh, and at the same time, to be able to work from home is a beautiful thing, especially if you have children. But these are extremes. People take it to one extreme or the next. And I don't think we have to be that way. We can find a good biblical balance. We can say, okay, if God created work and work is good, how can I do that best considering my, my gifts, my interests, my stage in life, and then do it? And uh, we can't just set a standard for everybody that, that fits all situations. A woman that has young children at home is in a different situation. Her work looks different and should look different than the woman who, who has never been married or doesn't have children or maybe her children are out, out of the home already. It's going to look different. Your priorities are different. So we can't try to make work look the same for all people. Uh, but we do want to have a biblical mindset. And uh, one of the things I think is we all have to agree that work, no matter what kind of work it is, uh, it matters to God. And so our work should be uh, work that, first of all, pleases God. It has to be honest work, work of integrity. And we should do it with excellence. If we're really doing it for the Lord, then we're not going to be half-hearted in it. And uh, work is part of God's creation mandate. And the concept of work is also repeated in 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 to 12. And this is what it says. It says, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. 
So that means that idleness is actually a sin that that should cause you not to associate with them. That's pretty severe. And then it continues by saying, For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have the right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, he should not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. And so I think... It, it's absolutely necessary. A, a Christian should be a hardworking person, someone who doesn't just burden other people, who doesn't expect other people to just keep giving to them, giving them freebies. No, we work for what we want to provide for ourselves and for our family. And uh, so that means whether you're working at home or working outside the home, working in your own business or working for someone else, whatever you're doing, work hard and do it with excellence and make money that as much as it you're able to, that you're able to provide for yourself and for your family that God has entrusted to you. At the same time, I do think being entrepreneurial is an excellent thing. And it's one of those things that I think maybe can be very much a blessing to moms who are at home. Because I do remember being at home with my children. I, I do believe that was my first priority. But there was times when I tried to earn a little extra income. And I don't think I found the right fit for me. So it ended up being more stress than it was a blessing as much as we did need that extra income. I wish I would have been more entrepreneurial, maybe more creative at the time. So I could have found an opportunity to still provide income without unnecessary stress. And I think these days, the, the possibilities really are endless. With the internet, it's so easy to promote things. My uh, daughter actually just, um, well, she in the past, she owned her own painting business and she did quite well. And then, of course, she got pregnant. She has a three-month-old baby now. And I just thought it was so cool. I think it was last week or two weeks ago she started her own online consignment store. She's called it Little Light Consignment. I thought, well, that's really brave of her, creative, something that like she enjoys doing. She's thinking about baby clothes all the time right now as she's taking care of her own little baby. And it's easy enough for her to do. And I guess it's the thing. It's it's what people do, what moms do. But her circle of influence hasn't really gotten um, anyone that does it. So she decided to start her own business. And I thought, wow, it's not as if she's going to be making thousands off this. But if she can make a little bit of money, why not? What a blessing while still having her primary focus on her child. Uh, so I am I am an idea person. I'm not a I've never owned my own business. I've never created my own business. And probably ten years ago, I wouldn't even have known to ever consider that. I think things have changed a lot. But also uh, with having been what have I is it eight or nine years that I've been in full time or in ministry now it is full time. And with ministry, I have endless ideas, and so it's my own little way of being creative and um, not 
in a business way, but entrepreneurial, because I'm thinking about new ideas to reach people and to bless people and to help people all the time. And I'm open to new ideas and changing things. I just don't do things the same way all the time, just because we've always done them, right? And so in that sense, I'm entrepreneurial, uh, but it's not about making money. It's about serving people, right? But I do understand that mindset. And uh, my youngest daughter, she actually is going to go into hairdressing school in the fall. And uh, partly because I, I think she's a business-minded person anyways. She, she's uh, just a great girl that has confidence and leadership skills. We used to tease saying she could run a small country by herself, even at a very young age. She, she doesn't have a problem taking control and taking leadership. And so although she's going into hairdressing school, I don't see her just going into um, this and getting a hairdressing license and then going to work for somebody in a small shop. I, I think she's going to make a business out of it, and I give her ideas on how to do that and what to do all the time. Uh, I've got lots of ideas for her, so <laughs> we'll see what she actually does with that. But there's opportunities, and I think that's great, right? Like the Proverbs 31 woman, like she wasn't just an average woman's but she actually went out and appraised a farm or a field, and then she bought it. I think that's really cool. That's creative. It's not necessarily the the normal, you know, perspective you've ha- you'd have of a biblical woman. But she's actually considered the biblical woman. If we're looking at modeling our lives after, we look at the pro- Proverbs thirty one woman. Well, she went and considered a field, and she bought it. Mm-hmm. So hey, the end the. The opportunities are endless and let's not just limit it ourselves. Like there's things that we can be doing. And the last thing we want to do is become lazy people. Laziness is, is such a, a sin that the Bible does clearly talk about, but we often don't talk about it enough. We've allowed for too much laziness in our culture. And it starts by not even raising our kids to work or contribute to the home and um, not encouraging our kids when they become teenagers to get a part-time job and we we pay for everything we pay for their car for their phone for their insurance for all their clothes and all their activities and their education and hey we want to bless our children and help them but paying for everything is not actually helping them to be hard-working people or to know how to manage money um and so we don't want to be lazy people because it's not biblical and it it breeds all sorts of other sins. I think laziness, if you don't have enough to do, it breeds boredom, which then gives way for all sorts of stinking thinking, right? Like all of us have things that we could think about that could depress us or anger us or frustrate us. And if we've got too much time on our hands, that tends to happen. Um, we tend to be gossips, right? We're too nosy about what happens in other people's lives. And we start talking about that and we start slandering them instead of actually looking at our own lives and seeing how we should change or what we could do. We look to other people. And and then, of course, anxiety. There's always things to be anxious about. And then that leads into depression, right? So laziness is just a, a sin that leads to all sorts of other sins. And God wants to protect us from that. And one of the things he has given us is the opportunity to work and to work with with purpose and to work hard for the glory of God and uh, let's raise our kids to be that way and it's kind of funny because every once in a while you get uh, people who think that that ministry is pretty easy and you almost get the idea that some people want to go into ministry because it seems so simple uh, I think they think it's all about sitting around drinking coffee with people or having lunch with people and 
there's some of that because ministry is relational, but there's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Things that go on behind the scenes, the difficult things, the trials, the the spiritual attack or just dealing with other people who are deep in sin. It's hard. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're someone who's gone into ministry that thinks this is going to be easy, you're not going to last very long. You've mm-hmm. got to be tough to actually persevere. And you have to depend on God. You're not going to do it on your own. And so whether, um, whatever you end up doing, don't ever decide to do it because it's the easiest thing. Don't train your kids to just do the easiest thing, but train them to work hard and to enjoy it. Don't allow for complaining. Maybe I'm getting into that, some of the other <laughs> things that we're going to talk about, but uh, yeah, we, we want to be hardworking women. We want to be creative like the Proverbs 31 women and hey, if we want to buy a field, let's go assess it and buy the field. I don't know what I'd do with the field. I'd just give it to Aaron, right? But, you know, hey, that's a pretty cool thing to do. So let's do all of our work with excellence for the glory of God. So many good points in there, Susie. And I think you have instilled in your children um, that entrepreneurial mindset. And um, I know, I know, working with you, that your ideas have blessed many people. Um, and it's very exciting how God is using you. And, um, yeah, I know for my husband and myself, we were in those easy jobs before the pandemic and we were tied to those jobs, not realizing it really at the time, but they were good, you know, government, government paying jobs and, um, and we liked them and, um, And then the pandemic hit and really just shook our lives completely. Um, I ended up resigning because as a Christian and as a teacher, I was being asked to teach things that were not true, that didn't line up with the Bible, um, and that I could not, I couldn't do. So I ended up giving up an almost 20-year career, um, not knowing what the future would hold career-wise um, to go into homeschooling our children, which which was a huge blessing for our family and um, my husband as well. He also lost his job um, because they they wanted him to take the mandate and take the injection. And um, yeah, we just we just said no. Our jobs don't own our bodies, and um, we didn't want that future for our kids either so we both ended up losing jobs that we that we did love um but (laughs) it's amazing um that there is fruit even in that suffering right even uh, giving up those jobs that we loved good incomes um it really did um show us the provision of god the the body of believers that that surrounded us and um, and the faith of our children really, um, has been, has been wonderful. And I just want to give God all the glory because his plans are way better than our plans could ever be. He has brought us back in both of us into our professional fields that we gave up. Um, but it way better. I never thought I'd be sitting across from you doing the podcast, but here mm-hmm. we are, Susie. Yeah. It's you bring up some really good points, Sandy. And I think one of them is that the first that we shouldn't be, although we should work hard, but we shouldn't be tied to mm-hmm. our jobs. And I, 
Uh, I'll just add to that, like our identity isn't in the jobs mm-hmm. that we hold. And then secondly, yeah, we should be willing to work hard and to earn money to be able to provide for our own food. But there's times when out of our own control, mm-hmm. a job is lost. And that's, like you said, a time when we, we have to just trust in God to provide. And so, yes, absolutely good points because we want to be willing to work hard. And as much as we're able to, we want to work with excellence as to the glory of God. But if our jobs are, are taken from us, we will still worship God mm-hmm. and we will trust him to provide. Mm-hmm. And you guys did that really, really well. So you guys were a great example to so many people. Well, we got to give God the glory for that because it's not our own Hmm. Uh, not our own strength. Yeah. So we're going to go to the next question now. <laughs> um, advertising and marketing has become very subtle. We see it in the shows that we watch, um, you know, on our phones, social media. They can target us if we're having a side conversation about something. We see the ad pop up. Uh, it's insane, actually, how much of this is happening without our conscious knowledge. What do you think we can do, Susie? Um, to safeguard ourselves from being swayed by subliminal messaging? Yeah, well, um, the first one is an obvious one that we all know, and yet I think we need to be reminded of all the time, is that we need to limit the amount of time that we listen to or watch things on Mm -hmm. media because there is a lot of garbage that we're Mm going to intake, even if we think we're being on guard, even if we're trying to replace the garbage with truth if it's constantly flowing in it will affect us and as you say there's even you know our phones seem to be listening Mm -hmm. to our side conversations because haven't we all had the experience of having a conversation about some sort of a product or item and the next thing we know it's being advertised on our, our social media right so we have to be very careful of that and aware of that not living in fear but limit and don't have your phone with you all the time it's okay and we also need to continue to remember that what we see on media is not real life and um, at least it's not the full thing right even when they're advertising things or speaking truth speaking facts to us there might be partial truth to it but it's never the full truth and it's never never the full thing and so let's remember that and Uh, That means we need to fill our mind with truth. We need to spend more time talking about Mm -hmm. the goodness of God. We need to spend more time in God's word and just experiencing the goodness of God, right? Like get out into creation. And I know you and I both, we live out uh, in the county and we get to see the beautiful sunsets and the sunrises if we're up early enough and hear the birds chirping. Let's enjoy God's creation. It doesn't mean that we're constantly just talking about him or just reading his word and that's all we do. But enjoying his creation gets us out of just watching fake creation by people, right? So fill our minds, fill our lives, our experiences in, in what the Lord has said and what he has done and what he's created and then certainly we also need to be praying for wisdom and discernment that God will reveal to us if in any way we've we've strayed from the truth or we've maybe begin begun adopting uh, views that are more in line with the world than in in truth. So, and and that can be very subtle, like you said, 
uh, just the you know you, you get messages uh, you deserve this product or you have earned mm-hmm. this vacation uh, those kind of things and you begin to think yeah I have mm-hmm. I deserve a vacation or I deserve to have this new product that's going to make my life so much easier and the vacuum cleaner is just going to be the best ever it'll be effortless to actually vacuum my floors it's it's yeah they're they're feeding you a false mm-hmm. narrative right mm-hmm. yeah empty promises mm-hmm. yep um we read earlier in proverbs um verse 11 it says that the heart of her husband trusts in her she does him good and not harm and we see that her purchase is to the benefit of the whole household not just a selfish impulse buy which i think a lot of women feel entitled to just like you said i deserve it i earned it um And I know I've had this mentality in the past as well, not that I actually needed something specific, but just to go online for fun or go to the mall to have an outing. Um, What are your thoughts on our culture of shopping as a pastime? Well, I'll just say let's be balanced. I don't want anyone to feel guilty for going to the mall. But at the same time, what are you doing there? I know some young people uh, make it a place to hook up with all the wrong people. So if that's what's happening, the mall is a bad place. Uh, If you are using it as retail therapy instead of going to God for therapy, that's a problem because retail therapy is not going to solve your problems and it's very, very temporary. The joy or the peace or the, uh, the, um, you know, the help that you're going to get from that feeling better about yourself, it's not going to last and it's only very surfacey. So what are you doing there? Like, what, what's your purpose? Mm-hmm. And if you're going there to, you know, have a relaxing afternoon with a friend or you actually need something and so you are going there to get something, it's fine. But let's not make this the only thing that we're doing and then always spending too much money. As you said, we do want our husbands to trust us, mm-hmm. right? If you start getting the feeling that your husband gets worried when you go to the mall, or when you go to Dollarama, I've had people tell me that their husbands don't trust them at Dollarama because, of course, you go in to buy two, two things and you, you end up with more. 20, right? Yep. And then half of it ends up in the garbage. Or if your husband is worried when you're on your phone doing online shopping, that tells you you've got a problem. Mm-hmm. The problem is probably not him. Um, it's probably you, and you want to change that. Uh, one of the things you could do is set a budget. And if you are married, then you should set that budget together with your husband or let him lead and then you follow. And uh, that means that you set that budget to be within your means. If that means your budget doesn't allow for all the things that you want, then so be it. Live within your means. That means we probably have to subdue our impulses and our desires. And if that's hard on us, that means we probably have a worship problem. Uh, And we have to ask ourselves, who do I really worship? And it's interesting as I think about women and, you know, I can be there too. I I wrote down this statement and it might be kind of confusing until you kind of get it. Because what I wrote is I said, we are far too easily satisfied and far too often dissatisfied. And that means that we think if we just get that new hairdo or if we just spend money on that new outfit or if we get that new car, we'll be satisfied. And 
we shouldn't be satisfied with these material things. They don't, they're not what we should be looking to for satisfaction. We should be sat- looking for the glories of God to satisfy us. And so in that sense, we're far too easily satisfied. We're just satisfied. We think we're going to be satisfied with, with um, all these man-made material things that are very temporary. And then at the same time, we are far too often dissatisfied. Don't we all know very dissatisfied children, or children, not children, women, mm-hmm. women who are so quick to complain, to express their disappointment, they're never really content. And that can be a, a problem. And so once again, I'm just going to say it. we are far too easily satisfied and we are far too often dissatisfied. Um so yeah, that's that's mostly what I have to say. So the encouragement then is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Uh, the reality is most people love themselves a whole lot more than they actually love God or people. And to find out, just ask yourself, what do you think about most of the time? Is it yourself? If you've answered yes, it is myself. I think about myself all the time. Then you've just exposed yourself. You love yourself too much. And so you need to replace your self-love with God's love. Mm. Any advice, Susie, on how we can become more purposeful with our spending habits? So choosing wise investments for our family that will benefit them long term? Well, I think you've hit it right there. Uh, Thinking about your family when you make an investment or when you make a purchase. It doesn't mean that every purchase has to be for them and that you can never buy anything for yourself. But here's a question to ask. If you make this purchase for yourself, is it going to negatively impact other people, your husband or your children, or maybe somebody else in your uh, community that you should actually be helping out. So is it going to negatively impact them? And uh, that means even if you live by yourself, are you intentional about giving? I believe God has a lot to say about being generous. He wants us to think of others more than just ourselves. And if you're not really sure if you're a giving person, I think, first of all, start by tithing to your church. That should be first on our list. And if that's hard for us, let's start with that. Tithing should be at the, the top of our budget. Mm-hmm. That should be at the top of our list. That that should be our first fruit. That should come off before anything else. And um, get used to that. And then start seeing how you can be generous to other people. Just train your mind to think about others rather than just yourself. Um and if, if necessary, go on a spending fast. Say you're not going to buy anything for yourself. Obviously, you have to buy food and, and things that you need uh, to survive. But go on a spending fast. Set, a, set a, a, an amount of time where you're not going to buy anything for yourself and then stick to it and, and learn to subdue your desires mm-hmm. so that you can really make wise choices rather than just selfish or impulsive choices. It's a good practice of self-discipline. That's, mm-hmm. that's great. Um, this godly woman is demonstrating her strong work ethic. And we see that by the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. And that takes tending as well. She's growing grapes. But even more than that, she's teaching those around her about hard work and how to work with your hands. And that's something that we've moved away from for the most part. Um, some commentaries that I've read suggest that this woman brought her children with her. And they watched her working. They probably helped her as well. Well, we're living in very different times. 
and we see children are on screens, sometimes as a babysitter or for school or just for entertainment. Um, children are spending less time outside exploring and moving their bodies, uh, less time reading quality material. You're going to those graphic novels and uh, missing out on those uh, longer attention spans. Um, kids are being sent to publicly funded schools for the majority of their waking hours. And um, just a little um, encouragement to listen to our previous episode with Dr. Ann Gillies for that. Um, but many parents or their extended families are concerned that if they raise their kids differently than the culture or the expected norm, that they're depriving their children um, or shielding their children from the world. Um, the concern is that your kids will turn out socially awkward or unprepared as they mature. And this, this could actually be its own podcast, but how do Christians reconcile raising their kids in the world, but not of the world, without going to either extreme of living in a closed bubble or of overexposing them to worldly things? Yeah, that's a big question, Sandy. <laughs> but I think the main thing is to take responsibility and to steward all the training mm. of your children, mm -hmm. to think of them as a whole being. Mm -hmm. We're not just thinking about them physically. We're not just thinking about them spiritually or just emotionally or just relationally. They're whole beings. They're body, soul, and spirit. And so mm. take responsibility to train them as a whole child. And uh, I think one of the things that many parents miss out on is they forget to teach their children about authority and they don't really take the time to teach them right and wrong and that there's consequences for their sin. We as parents, we want to be gracious and kind with our kids. We don't want to be angry or overbearing. But one of the main things, one of the most important things to start off with is teaching them that you are their authority and that there are is such a thing as right and wrong and when they do wrong, there will be a consequence. And usually they learn that from you as the parent before they even understand that from a, a Christian perspective, that that God is their authority and that they have sinned against him. So I think that's huge. Uh, another thing I was thinking is not to allow our own fears to navigate how we raise them. And you see that sometimes in, in, in shyer parents they isolate their kids unnecessarily. And uh, of course, I do recognize that we will un inevitably get in the way, right? We, we will sometimes uh, parent out of our own shortcomings. But I think it's when we do that and we start seeing those same shortcomings in our kids that we realize, oh, I've got something to work on. So let's actually admit it and work on it on ourselves so that we can also help our children and and then teach your kids the practical things of life. I know uh, just the simple things like learning how to bake cookies or how to wash dishes or how to clean a toilet or to use a hammer and nails. Those are practical things that many kids don't learn to use or uh, to do anymore. And, and also teaching our kids social skills. Um, we don't, once again, we want to be balanced here, right? Like, I think many of us have decided and our church would definitely support the idea of taking your kids out of public school because of all the dangerous things that are being taught them. And so some parents are homeschooling their kids or, or we call it actually uh, parental schooling. 
because it's not so much about the location, but it's mm-hmm. about who's got the authority. Or they're, or they're sending their kids to Christian school, and I think that's great. Um, and we don't, we would rather have our kids protected from the evils of the world than exposed to it all. But that doesn't mean we want to let ourselves off the hook with raising socially awkward kids. We're not doing anyone a favor by doing that. Uh, It might work for them while they're kids. And it might make you somehow feel better about yourself because your kids are content to be at home and you don't have to worry about releasing them uh, and having them want to hang out with friends rather than you. Maybe, Maybe it gives you some sort of a an insecure or a a boost to your own insecurities but that's not a good motivation either having good social skills is a christian thing because we've been designed to live in community and so here's just just a few things and as i was preparing this i was thinking uh because my parents had actually grown up in mexico in in small rural, rural uh communities they didn't necessarily have the same manners or understanding of manners that Canadian culture has. And so they didn't nece- they didn't teach me all of that, but it wasn't intentional. Uh, some of the things that I've had to learn are things I had to learn out of challenges because my parents didn't teach me to say thank you or please or excuse me. And it's not because they were rude. They just, it wasn't part of their culture. And so I, I don't blame them for it. But it's got me thinking about the importance of knowing your culture and what's socially acceptable and then teaching your kids to do that. And I think one of the important things is just simple things like look people in the eye when they're talking to you. And don't most of us parents have to teach our kids to do that? Mm -hmm. So many parents do because kids naturally are shy around parents or intimidated or whatever. Teach them to look Mm -hmm. people in the eye. Um, teach them to ask good questions. So don't just talk about yourself or think about yourself, but teach them to ask questions about others. Teach them to say please and thank you. Teach them not to interrupt a conversation. Not even all adults know this, right? But let's mm-hmm. teach our children those things and to th- use words like excuse me. Uh, so those are just a few little social skills. I might get to more in a few minutes. But I also just wanted to uh, mention that we want to make sure that we teach our kids to find their identity in Christ and not in themselves, right? So we're not just pushing them to be the best at everything, but to do their best for Christ. And then um, I think also just giving them a, a variety of experiences, right? Like don't just keep them in the city, in your you know brick home with cement or concrete walls and and concrete sidewalks where they never actually step on grass with their own barefoot toes but teach them teach them to experience a variety of things it doesn't mean it's wrong to grow up in the city but get them out of the city once in a while too right and let them experience farming or camping or going for walks and hikes and um, seeing what it's like to live in poverty or what it's like to live in different kinds of cultures, different types of foods. I think it's so important to help our kids have a variety of experiences. And, of course, limit technology in your kids. And uh, one thing I was thinking also, teach them to be marriable well before they're even of marriable age. 
but don't let them make marriage an idol at the same time, right? Uh, let them know that God is for marriage, God designed marriage, but not everybody will get married. And if you're not married, God still has a purpose and a plan for you that is, is still valuable. And uh, talk to them about things. If you notice personality traits in them that are concerning to you, talk to them about that and then teach them how to build friendships. And if you notice they're being awkward with their friends, talk to them about it. If you teach, see them being controlling around their friends, then talk to them about it. Like help them to know how to navigate these things without being controlling yourself, right? And then know their weaknesses and their strengths and then encourage them in both. Equip them with in their weaknesses and help them to steward their strengths. And and then I was also just going to say, um, of course, we don't want our kids to be of the world. We don't want them to be like the world. We want them to be set apart. Uh, so teach them to be leaders and influencers and then pray that they will be leaders and influencers and teach them the proper skills to be that. And, and then another thing, uh, your clothes do actually matter, right? Sometimes we don't like to talk about that as Christians because we like to pretend that the outward appearance doesn't matter at all. And certainly it's the inward that God looks at. But the outward is often an expression of what's actually going on in the inward. So teach your kids to uh, be cleanly, to um, be people who have good hygiene and who look like they care. You know, there is this thing with some people that they, they're they so socially awkward that they, they really pretend that they don't really care what anybody thinks. And so they, they're almost extreme in the way that they dress or the way they interact with people. And and that's, that's actually not good either. Usually people who are so intent on acting like they don't care what you think actually very much do care and so if you notice that in your kids help them to have that balance where it's not all about the outward but if you don't care about your outward at all that's probably a hard attitude as well and the reality is um, wearing clothes that are 50 years out of style doesn't make you humble and it doesn't actually make you hospitable so I looked up the word hospitable and it's a biblical term that means uh, that you are generous and gracious in your treatment of guests. And I think the thing that we want our kids to remember is that we don't want to teach them to be people pleasers, but we want them to be people who have an ability to be hospitable, meaning that people, when they come into their presence, feel welcomed and they feel comfortable, right? And um, so teach your kids to be hospitable and part of that is caring about the outward appearance, not solely, but part of it. And then teach them to be kind and loving, to think of others, uh, to be others-minded, not just self-focused. And yeah, I think these, this is just the beginning of the things that we do to teach our children to, to be socially, not awkward, but socially loving, not so that you can be accepted by the world, but so that you can be hospitable for the glory of God. That when people come into your presence, they feel the love of Christ, the welcome of Christ, and uh, just the 
the presence of Christ through your life. And so, yeah, it is a huge responsibility to, to raise our children. But if we do invest in them and we invest in them in as much as what God has already shown to us and helped us, I think we will uh, have a good balance. We're not going to do it perfectly. And, you know, we might still have some awkward moments. Our children might have some awkward moments. Hey, that makes us human. But for the most part, let's steward all of them and, and think about their body, soul, and spirit as we're raising them. Mm. I wrote down socially welcoming. <laughs> I like it. That. I love that. <laughs> good. good. Good list there, Susie. That was... Uh, I'm sorry, that was such a big question, <laughs> but that was a great answer. So yeah, you're, thank you so much for your, for your well thought out answers. Um, and we are very excited to share and tell you all about our women's conference. It's coming up in May. Um, actually, Susie, would you mind sharing a little bit about this? Yes. So our conference is called Rise Up for Jesus because it really is all about Jesus and bringing the gospel into every area of our life. And so I'm excited about it. We are going to have a, a talk on, on humility uh, as opposed to pride. We're also going to have a talk on um, how to have a biblical mindset of work. And so I gave a little snippet of what will be talked about, but I'm actually not going to be the speaker on that topic. So I'll let her go into more detail. And then we're also going to have a session on just being a witness. How do we actually witness to our friends and neighbors and our community? And then fourth, our fourth session will be one on suffering. And what I really want women to go away with from this conference is uh, from Acts 5.41, where it talks about how we are counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And not only are we willing to be counted worthy, we should be rejoicing that we are counted worthy. And that's a stretch. That's huge. And when we can get to that point, that's a glorious place to be in our, our ministry, in our lives before the Lord. And so I, I'm super excited. I, I encourage people to register. Uh, you can go to harvestwindsor.ca under our events and, and register for the conference there. But if you can't come, I encourage you to be praying for this conference because it, it will be a conference where we will be challenged. Maybe we will be convicted. And uh, I think you'll also be equipped. Uh, I didn't mention we also have three breakout sessions that I'm super excited about as well. And one of the breakout sessions will be having a, a Christian mindset on medical care. Uh, the second one will be having uh, a Christian mindset on gender. And the third one will be on having gospel conversations about abortion. And so they're three very informative, very uh, practical breakout sessions that will really equip women to know how to speak truth into a culture that has turned all these things so upside down. Mm -hmm. We're really looking forward to that. Um, and becoming more equipped and, and, and able to live biblically. So we want to thank you all for joining us as we talk about these things and as we rebuild biblical womanhood from the ground up. 